Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Um, okay, so here we go. We're going to answer, a- whoops, ask as many questions as we can. <laughs> okay, practical ways. <laughs> practical ways to end arguments, I think. Practical ways to handle kids going crazy. All right, who asked this question? Because I want to make sure I... No? No one's going to admit to it. (laughs) Practical ways to end... What is that saying? Hold on. Is that argument? Yes, maybe. Okay. Yes, argue. Okay, great. We'll answer that. Um, Why don't you start? Practical way to end an argument. Oh, that's great. You give one. (laughs) A a practical way is to walk away and pray. Walk away and pray. Practical way. I never knew you did that. (laughs) 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 I mean, sometimes I don't walk away. Sometimes I stand and pray. No, no, no. You do do that, but I didn't realize it was something that you planned. Maybe it just comes in the moment. <laughs> no, that's good. Practical ways to end an argument. Um, I would say, if you remember, our couple in Song of Solomon, they, he actually did walk away, and he went to a place that was very familiar. Um, but for Andre and I, I'm going to answer as many of the questions personally as I possibly can. Um, for, I know for me personally, when Andre and I begin to engage, I always ask myself a question. Why am I giving a $1,000 response to a dollar question? I always ask myself that question first. Why am I responding like this? Why am I getting upset? What's, something, what's in me first for, that I need to evaluate before I re- even respond to this? And so I usually begin with an evaluation of myself before I engage. Now, that doesn't mean I don't engage. Um, I may engage. Uh, but and I I don't have any problem with confrontation. Andrea has problem with confrontation. I don't have any problem with like this needs to change and we need to change it. She like goes into a shell just even thinking about having that kind of conversation. I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> you um, say the word so, confrontation, I start to sweat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Andrea, if she has someone with like any issue with anyone, she's like, well, I'm just going to pray for them. This is like, well, go bring them to my office. I'll talk to them. You know, um, so. I know for me, a personal evaluation is a good way to begin because then you're able to walk into the conversation having it dealt with you first. And that's important. That's very important. Um, practical ways to handle kids going crazy. Yeah, I just was thinking, why am I louder than him? It is on. No, I don't think so. No, I'm telling you, it is on. Oh, it's on there? Yeah, I'm on. Okay. It maybe doesn't like me. Can you not hear me? Okay. You want this one? No, I'm good. Um, Where's Phil's? 
I can't see anything with my glasses. <laughs>can you hear me now? Ooh, there we go. Okay. Take this off. All right. Practical ways to handle crazy kids. Andrea. Kids. Now I'm off. Okay. Um, practical ways to handle crazy kids. Kids going crazy actually. Yes. I mean, I kind of took this from you because you'd always say, instead of getting frustrated, look at it as an opportunity to train and disciple them. And I would always keep that in my mind because your first response is to go crazy because yeah. it's overwhelming. Preventative parent is better than corrective parent. So always speaking in something before than after is always better. So, and Andrea, I, so she's not, I, Andrea always speaks the word to our kids. Always. Like she, and that they know her for it. She will speak whatever the word says. It's, she's not giving her advice. She'll say, be kind one to another. She will speak scripture into their heart. And I think that's a, a great way. And all the thing, very practical. We always used to tell our kids, sisters can be best friends. Brothers can be best friends. And my two boys, AJ and Micaiah, they slept in the same bed together till they were 15. Like, and then when they separated... I would find them and they would like, they would be back in the same room or they would, they just, they, we created a relationship with the kids that you can be best friends. And that was preventative instead of being corrective. Now there were still issues, right? But I think, um, the question in regards to, um, handling kids going crazy, um, you've got to be careful that you don't go crazy with them. You've got to be careful you don't go crazy with them because there's a tendency for parents to start engaging their children's with their children's behavior. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Maybe not. Okay. Um, yeah, so I would say be, uh, do that. All right, next question. Oh, I can't see it. How do you stay connected with different schedules intimately and just practical things. How do you stay connected with different schedules intimately? Just Andre and I have always dated, so we purpose to do and try to do a date night every week. So we always have communication time. Um, but what was funny was when we first started this, we, the kids were young, and we would be so <laughs> crazy getting out of the house that we would get into a fight the first 30 minutes because we were so nuts just getting out of the house that when we got in the car, we were tense. And so then we would just be tense with each other. So then we made a rule that, um, and I was going to say this as well about something, but I'll get back to it. We made a rule that we wouldn't talk to each other for the first 30 minutes of our date night. And it was so great. It was just silent (laughs) in the car. And at this time, we had 11 children because we had two foster kids that were living with us. And Andrew was homeschooling all of them. So <laughs> oh my God, it was nuts. So when we were coming out of the house, it was like, <laughs> like this. So the best ministry we could think to each other was, mm. don't talk to me. 30 minutes. Just give me time to like detox. Yeah, I would say that's good. Time to detox. And um, just looking for those moments. I think it's it's protecting that because it's hard. Life gets busy, but having grace when life happens and you can't, you know, legalistically have every week and just being thankful for, okay, this week 
we got some other things happening, but next week the time is good. Yeah, and just to let you guys know, we prayed for a year before we came to South Bay. Before we said yes, we prayed for a year. Andre and I come from Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, and the church was 25,000 people. Andre sang 150 funerals a year. So we knew coming into South Bay what we signed, were signing up for. Because for 30 years, we did it at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. So we prayed long and hard before we walked in. And one of the things that we realized was in a year, we won't have any children living in the home. So South Bay could become our child. So, and I'm not saying you guys are children. That's not what I'm saying. But our attention could be focused on the church. And so we've taken the time this year to focus on Timon because he's our last and we're sending him out. But now that he's going to be going, we can now put our full attention at Calvary Chapel South Bay. But we're still navigating because, you guys, let me tell you something. Large church means volume. So there's not one funeral. There's ten. There's not one wedding. There's not one premarital. Like, there's just volume. There's not one incident. There's 50. And so we knew that coming into it. So Andre and I have had to purpose to make sure that we are communicating. But one of the things I love about Andrea is um, she recognizes the position. She recognizes things. And even though she may have, like, pressing things to get done, she's figured out a way that if it's pressing, like, she'll just text me, hey, I need an answer for this. We don't have to have a conversation about it. I just need yes or no. And we've developed a system after almost 30 years of marriage where we don't have to do all the feelings and the answer of why. Some things can just be yes or no so that we can move on to the next, to the next <laughs> thing. That's true. So anyway. Yeah. All right, great. Practically, how do you handle, oh, it, um, arguments. Make rules. Make rules. So one of Andre and I's rules are we never mentioned the divorce word. When we first got married, we just, that was one of our rules. Don't ever throw out divorce. Don't ever throw out, don't ever go to that place. One of our rules was don't do always and don't do never. You always, you never. Let's just speak to the problem. Let's just speak to what the problem is, okay? Um, I just wanted to get back to that for a minute. Okay, practically, how do you handle when one gets excited and the other does not, and on what God is speaking to them. Mm. This is a good one for you because you're always excited about what God's saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Andrea is like the color, I'm black and white. She'll be like, look what God's doing. I'm like, of course, he's God. That's what he does. You know? <laughs> That's hilarious. But this is good too. She know. is the color. <laughs> she's the mercy. She's the like, you know... She's the color of our relationship. I am the functional, operational, black and white. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I guess so. That's true. So how do you handle when you got so excited? <laughs> how do you handle me? But sometimes that's good because if we were both really excited, I don't think we'd be grounded. So we need to be grounded too in that. You know, so it's a little good that we're... That's a compliment, right? I think that mm -hmm. your color, my black and white, it comes together. And <laughs> every picture starts black and white. And then you add color to it. Yes. You're very good. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you handle that? When you're excited about something and I'm just kind of functional. Um, I'm excited with the Lord. And 
I don't think I've, I don't think I feel like you have to feel the same way all the time. That's actually a really great answer. Yeah. Like it's okay. Thank that you, you for that. Feel I appreciate I appreciate you saying that. I can be excited by myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this. Um, Andrea's first relationship is with Jesus. So she has gotten she has moved away. Can I talk about when we first married? Yes. Uh, yeah. We can be real. Andrea was very insecure when we first got married. And yeah. like very insecure. If I spoke to a woman, it was like an argument. Um, if I like, and I'm a pastor, so it was kind well, of like, we have to say you really never did anything that would warrant any suspicion. It was my issue. Really? No, I said that. It, yeah. She definitely had an issue. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it was her issue. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I guess I should have said that. Yeah. There was nothing. I wasn't like looking at other women or anything, but it's like a church. I'm like, do I say hi? Do I not say hi? Is Andrea watching? Like, you know, it was like that kind of thing. And why did we, you just threw me. Why, why did we, I was answering this. Um, How do you handle when the other excited? My first oh, love is because, Jesus. Yeah, very, thank you. Um, Andrea really has grown to a place where the Lord is her fullness. No, really. Like, she doesn't, and sometimes it's hurtful. Like, she doesn't need me to find fullness. She really has found her fullness in the Lord. I am no, I am like a piece to her puzzle, but I am not the puzzle. And I, I mean, I'm her priority and she loves me and she'll do anything for me, but really she's found her fullness in the Lord. And I just want to encourage every lady in here because what that does for me is relieve me of having to be that fullness, but then it actually challenges me to like want to fulfill something in her. So it's, it's been a really great, and I think but that's her spiritual maturity, not mine. Um, yeah, I would definitely say that. All right, next question. Thank God for his grace in our lives. In our How life. do you handle one way of viewing something and the other sees it differently? How do you handle that? I mean, that's hard. That's hard even like you were talking about children. You can have very different opinions about parameters for kids and discipline consequences for kids. Um, so I think, I mean, as a wife... Biblically, we're told the husband is the head of our home. So we give our opinion, and if it's not taken, sometimes that's hard to swallow, but I really got to trust God that he answers to the Lord as the head too. So I am speaking to women that um, I can trust the Lord, that even if I don't understand, and there's been many times where he's laid down a consequence, and I was like, we're taking away the 13th birthday party. I can't do it. But I was so thankful in the end because I saw what it brought, the fruit of that. And I would ground kids for like a week. The next day, what do you think? They've been really good today. I'm like, <laughs> they are working you. That's called working you. And, and yeah. she would be like, no, they're not. He really is trying. I go, a week, seven full days. We said it, we're going to live up to it. If we, did, if we said it, we're going to live up to it. So the kids would know, I'm not one to be moved. Now, we would offer grace if there was a... The idea of repentance for a child is to get them to a place of change. So whatever gets them to that place, it's important, but kids will work it. When Micaiah was five years old, he did something in Sunday school that was like overwhelming, okay? Overwhelming. So I brought him home and I said, look, dude, you're grounded. I mean, like when we get home, you're done, all right? So I'm driving home and talking to him like this. And he, 
in the middle of driving home, he goes, Dad, I have wronged you. Five years old. I have wronged you and I've wronged God. And I just want to apologize to you. It's coming. Before you get all like teary-eyed, I bring him home. He runs to his brother, AJ. AJ's about six years old. I follow him to his room for some reason. And he says this to AJ. I know how to get him. Just tell him that you're sorry to him and sorry to God. I'm not grounded anymore, AJ. I walked in the room and it was like the glory of God entered into the room and he was mortified, mortified. I go, that's how you can work me. AJ goes, boy, you're going to get it now. (laughs) Uh, But it's important to recognize. And when Andre says that I'm the head, my responsibility is to listen to the submission of my wife. Now, did you hear what I just said? Her opinion matters. Submission is not just in heart. It's submission of thoughts, submission of ideas. Because the first verse is we're to submit one to another. So there are things that Andrea is much better at than me. She is much better at discerning God's spirit than I am. So I will, I will tend to lean on her opinion because I've learned in 30 years of marriage that she's more sensitive than I am. So you will, as you grow in marriage, you begin to realize one's strengths and the other weaknesses. So in my weakness, she's strong, and I'll go with her direction, but in her weakness, I'm strong, and that is the beautiful compliment. We're not competing with one another. We're complimenting one another, okay? What are great ways to handle conflict or disagreements? Do you have another one that you want to throw into that? For that question. Yeah, how do you handle me when I get ornery? Um, you know, you feel your blood start to go inside. Like all those regular things happen that happen to you. But I think in time, as the Spirit helps us grow, you learn to wait on Him and go, we're both growing. You know, I need to bear patience and pray. And you put up with me as much as I put up with you. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I would say, um, I love what Andre's saying. When you get married, you have to recognize you are marrying in perfection. Yeah. You're marrying in perfection. You're not marrying perfection. So I've had couples come to me and say, I did not know that this was the man that I married. Well, welcome to who he is. Because this is the man that you married. You, he just put a good mask on before you got married. Okay, And understand, we've got to recognize that marriage is a journey of each other choosing to become one. There's another question in here that I saw, what's the best way to get along? The best way to get along is Ephesians chapter 4, until we all come to the unity of the knowledge of Christ. The more we become like him, the more we will become one. Did you hear that? The more we become like him the more we will become one because we'll start thinking alike. We'll start acting alike. We'll start giving to each other. We'll start sacrificing for one another. Um, What are great ways to handle conflict or disagreements? This is going to surprise you. Have them. Have a disagreement. Have a conflict. Conflict and disagreement are not bad. The way we handle them can be bad. 
have a conflict because what conflict does, it actually grows you closer together because now you've learned something that you didn't know. So conflict is not necessarily bad. Having a difference of opinion and disagreement is not bad. The way we do it is important. And that's where I think rules of engagement are very important. And every couple should have a plan or what are the rules of our engagement. When I start feeling the blood boil, let's take 10 minutes. Let's walk away and recognize that this is one of our rules. We're just going to take a few minutes. Then we're going to come back together because we're not going to let the sun go down in our anger. And I'm going to offer my opinion. You're going to offer your opinion. Have rules of engagement. I don't know what your rules are. You have to talk about them because I don't know who you are. You may break down just if... if uh, uh, but, but Andrea's grown. I used to cry all the time. Andrea cried all well, the time. Well, I mean, I was pregnant for 10 years of my life. I probably was like hormonal all the time. <laughs> I mean, come no, on. No, she was. She was pregnant all the time. <laughs> Like, it was like pregnancy news was like, okay, here we go again. Um, no, she was pregnant all the time. In fact, um, every April Fool's, we still call our parents and we're like, she's pregnant. And it's like they, they fall for it every April Fool's because she was pregnant for so long. Um, and she was. She was so wonderfully hormonal all the time. <laughs> all the time. I was pretty emotional. Yes. I get excited if I cry now because now I hardly cry. So I'm like, oh, I can still cry. This is great. <laughs> She married me, and now she can hardly cry. That's not a great sign. <laughs> All right. Can we discuss, and let me, let me explain. I've been through a war. So um, if you're a vet and you've gone through war, there are some things that you just walk through. And um, one of the things for me that I came out of the war was, there was so much like death and tragedy and disease and sickness that it really kind of like hardened me a little bit. And things that would bother her didn't, don't bother me at all. And she has softened me. And I've realized that I needed to be softened because I was really affected. And that's where you recognize God didn't give me Andrea by accident. There were things in me that needed to change. So God gave me Andrea. And there were things in her that needed to toughen up. So God gave her to me to her so that she would grow. Okay. Um, how does a couple get to a place of oneness? And I answered that. Become like him. Purpose to become like him, yeah. to become one. That's a simple rule. Write it down. Become like him, become one. Become like him equals become one. And that means you've got to study the word. You've got a purpose to be like him. You've got to give it everything you've got. The Bible in Ephesians 4 says, put off the old man. That's your responsibility. Put off the old man and you, he says, put on the new. That uh, I was ministering to a couple the other day. And... Um, I told, this is the, the counsel I gave them was because they are like the couple of couples at church. Like you would look at them and go, wow, they love Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, like they were like, you know, the couple of couples. But when they would go home, they were miserable. So I said, you're hypocrites. I said, you come to church and everyone thinks that you're great, but you go home and you're miserable with each other. That makes you a hypocrite because you're one thing in front of people, but you let your hair down when you go home. So that means that you're a hypocrite. And I said, why don't you purpose to be spiritual at home? 
If you're spiritual at church, be spiritual at home. Don't prove yourself to be a hypocrite. So if you can be loving at church, be loving at home. If you can be kind at church, be kind at home. Don't come and put a face on at church and then go home and be something else because that declares you a hypocrite. And then I, my marital counsel, I took him to Matthew 24, 25. Woe to you hypocrites. I read all the woes. And they said, well, that's not marital counseling. I go, it is to hypocrites. You don't want to counsel. I was going to come to you now. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, you don't want to counsel with me. Everyone's like, oh, I can't wait to be Pastor Chet. You walk out of my office, run to Andrea. <laughs> right, Ray? <laughs> All right. Um, the last church I was attending for two years, the pastor said that an older woman shouldn't be thinking of getting married because they need to be taking care of their grandkids. So marriage is a no, no, no for older women. You went to the wrong church. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> That's my answer. I mean, why can't you get married? I mean, if the Lord opens up the opportunity, I don't care if you're 80 years old. I mean, God, if God wants to redeem your life situation and you get remarried. Now, my mom is 80. She'd never think of remarrying, and nor would I ever tell her to get remarried because that's just who she is. She is married to God. She don't need no man. That's, I mean, and that's not like independent, but at 80 years old, when my dad died uh, 13 years ago, I knew my mom would never get remarried. She's just a lover of God, and God became her husband, and that was her satisfaction. But some women can't get there. So there's nothing wrong with an older woman getting married. And still, I mean, to me, whoever told, gave you this advice, they don't, I mean, your responsibility is just to be your grandkids. Um, wait, sorry, married because they need to be taking care of their grandkids. Why can't you take care of your grandkids and get married? I mean, you would if your husband hadn't passed. You want to add something? <laughs> I thought you that probably was, should add some mercy that, or something to that. Yeah. It was concise. And, you know, there's two gifts. There's a gift of singleness and a gift of marriage. And so whatever season he calls you to. Yeah. Hey, guys. We live by the law of the spirit, not by the law. And the law of the spirit is he lives inside of us. He convicts us according to the word, the way that he wants to lead us. The law says you can't get married when you're, uh, you got to be a grandkid. Who said that? Where is that in the Bible? Be careful that you don't make people the Holy Spirit. And that's important in marriage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I am not Andrea's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. I can't change Andrea. The Holy Spirit can change Andrea. The greatest thing I can do to help Andrea change is go to the Spirit and ask him, because what he might do is say, actually, you're the one that needs to change. That's what he did to Martha. Remember? Deal with Mary. Actually, Martha, you're the problem. So I love when people come and say to me, they are confirmed, like, this is the direction to go. And they go, well, I prayed about it. You know what my response is? So did Martha. Look what Jesus said to her in Luke 10. All right. Um, you're beginning to see a little bit of my personality. <laughs> Who's the one to say sorry first? Definitely you. When you are in strong fellowship or disagreement, <laughs> you are usually. Usually, and you know, Andrea does, wants to end conflict. Yeah, so that's because not, I don't like confrontation. Andrea does so not like, like confrontation. Uh, sorry, I'm just sorry. 
No, we have a real problem. But I'm sorry. You might be sorry, but we still have a real problem. Like, we need to talk about this. Um, and so she is very quick to sorry. But sometimes the first person to be sorry may just want to end the argument because it's uncomfortable. So it's good to be humble, but your humility may be false because you're really not sorry. You just want to end the argument. Yeah. And I was going to say, I really think it has a level, a matter to do with pride, too. You know, you can mask pride in your heart and still be just in this stance of I'm right when you're really just not surrendered to the Lord to be willing to go. I think the best prayer is, Lord, I don't see or understand what they're telling me, but you know me. So would you show me what I need to learn from this? And praying that is a prayer of humility, being, wanting, being willing and want to just grow you know, in the Lord. Um, what is your utmost powerful scripture which brings you down on your knee? Um, the one that I got today and the one I got yesterday and the one I got the day before. Mm. Every word brings me to my knee. Every time I get into the word, I'm just, and I know yeah. maybe this is his life verse. My life verse is first Corinthians two, two for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. But every day I get into the word, it brings me to my knees. I, love that. I mean, when you go to the throne room, how can you not get on your knee? Andrea? Yeah. I think it's just such a love for the word. My life verse is Colossians 1.27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That verse because even to save me from myself, the fact that Christ is in me, there's a hope. It goes beyond my own flesh and my weakness. Whatever's around me, attacking me, whether it was literal, real war in Liberia, um, but Christ in me, beyond man and what he can do to me, beyond the enemy, forces of evil that you see coming against you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I just think the love for his word, his Holy Spirit, because the word is living and active, you could hear that verse 20 times, and the 20th time the spirit will reveal something to you to give you new life, to stand on, that is a grace and a power that is spiritual. And yeah, I was, I was actually going to tell you later, so I was over here at the 1030 service, I'm about to humiliate myself, so just go with it, um, and... I was going to lean over to Zach and say, I can't believe people come back every week to hear me speak. Like I was totally humbled at the 1030 service. And I said it to the Lord. Before I said it to Zach, I said it to the Lord. I said, Lord, I just can't believe that people come to hear me speak every week. And the Lord said to me, they're not coming for you. Christ in you, he said to me, the hope of glory. He said Colossians 127. So it's funny you bring that verse up. And the Lord said, he goes, it's me in you that they're coming to hear. So I didn't lean over and tell Zach because I'm embarrassed now. <laughs> so now I'm telling you. Um, I just am so thankful for what the Lord's doing. It's so humbling to see what God is doing. And God just wonderfully reminded me with his word and brought me to my knee. It's me in you. Amen. All right, um, next question. How can a man who has grown into a crusty old wineskin become a new wineskin so that fresh new wine can be poured? I want to be used again. Throw out the old wineskin. You have to throw it out. It just can't be used. You get, here's what wisdom is. Um, let me say it like this. Wisdom made Solomon stupid. He was so wise, he thought he had every answer that it actually made him dumb. 
because his wisdom turned to knowledge. So he thought this experience must be this, so I'll do this. But wisdom is knowledge applied correctly in every given new situation. And what happened was he turned wisdom and he took that wisdom and he got stupid because he thought, I know. I know. Like, I know what to do. I'm the wisest person in the world. I mean, I know God has given me wisdom. But the problem is he wasn't sensitive to God's spirit. And he may have had the knowledge, but he didn't make the application. And so you know how to change because you're asking the question. This question is the conviction of God's spirit in your life. You know that you need to change, but you refuse. So you're trying to find out the way, but you already know the way. You just need to change. Amen? Amen. Do you want to add to that? Um, Probably something sweet. I think that's, I think it's great. I think it's hard. It's hard when you've been used to a way for so long, but being willing to yield to the spirit and step into something new takes the spirit's power and help. And if you just ask him, he'll help you. How do you balance ministry, kids, and your marriage? This is always asked of us. Um, It's a great question. How do you balance ministry, kids, and your marriage? Um, Making time for the Lord is always a priority. Uh, It's got to be a priority. And as a nursing mom, sometimes it was while you're sitting there nursing your baby, you just had time then because you're up all night and every two hours. Um, So there's different seasons of life where it can be more difficult, but you purpose to find that time because that will anchor you. When Christ becomes your priority, everything falls into balance. When Christ is your priority, when he's preeminent, Colossians 1, he must be preeminent in all things. He puts life into balance. Because you're speaking to him. Hey, you need some time with your wife. He he just speaks with you. Um, Practically, I date my kids. So Tuesday night is date night. Monday night, Andre and I's date night. Tuesday night is date night with the kids. So time and I go out every Tuesday night. Um, and I do what I say. Uh, we've talked about everything from how to have a girlfriend to, um, okay, uh, last week was you're going to college. Don't act like an idiot. Let's talk about it. Um, <laughs> like we, we, I do everything practical and spiritual. Every Tuesday night we have a date night and we just go through it. The key to balance is making the time. You got to figure out what's your priority. Now, I love you guys. I love you, but very few of you will be at my funeral, but my kids will be. Very few of you will come, unless I die, like, in the next week or two, maybe some of you might come, but, um, and I hope not to, (laughs) Um, but the reality is, is that my kids are going to be with me, and my wife are going to be with me for the rest of my life. They're my priority, so making them my priority, when something's your priority, it has your time, and it means sacrifice. I love to serve, but I realized with Timon, and he's my last year, that if he didn't want to surf anymore, because him and I would surf together, and he hasn't been surfing in the last few months, that, okay, I can go surfing alone, or I can give up surfing and spend time with Timon. I chose to give up surfing so I can spend time with Timon. So he wanted to go surfing, uh, uh, like, I forget when it was, and I was like, okay, great. So I got to go. And what I'm saying is, is that where you spend your time dictates your priority. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Questions from a newlywed. What does it look like to dwell with your wife with understanding? That's, I actually have this question for God. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, what did that mean? Because Andrea does not think anything like me. Nothing like me. When she was giving birth, I think I told you guys this, she asked me to rub her back. So I did. Then she had a contraction. And she asked me, why are you touching me? <laughs> like, how did I, you'd expect me to know? Like, I had no... She thinks with color. I think black and white. And I think I've come to the conclusion that this scripture means a lifelong pursuit. I have a lifelong pursuit to understand Andrea. And I can't use my excuse that I don't. So I'm always trying to understand where she's at. I'm always trying to seek what is she thinking? How does she think that? And dwell with her with understanding. There are some things that Andrea's not good at. She's just not good at. There are some things that I am not good at. And I can purpose to be frustrated every time she shows this weakness or just realize we had a conversation about five years ago. Why can't we just embrace each other's weaknesses? And she got upset with me. And I was like, do you remember this? Yeah. yeah. She goes, we can all change. I go, you can't. This will not change in you because wow. I won't change in this. It's just a part. No, Corey, it was just... <laughs> It was one of those things where I was trying to show her over 30 years of relationship, this is something about you that may take, like, till you're 80. So why don't we just embrace it, and this is something about me that hasn't changed. Why don't we just embrace this part of us instead of be frustrated all the time? And guess what? We embraced it, and we purposed to unconditionally love each other, and now we're changing. Instead of always, every time she did it, getting upset with her. You want to add to that? I think that's a great way to look at it because it's freeing. It's freeing. That's the only one we got to clap for? Wow. See, <laughs> <Yeah, we're laughs> that applause. I don't need to say anything else. Um, do I have to tell my spouse everything? Both my wife and I came home from a hard day at work and I did not want to add more on her plate, but she felt that I should have, I should have since we are teammates. If I unloaded on Andrea my day, my job is to protect my wife. So if a guy comes up to me and confesses something to me, he confessed it to me, not to Andrea. So that's going to be confidential between me and that guy. Now, you might say, well, you're one flesh. I will ask him for permission if I can share it with my wife. And here's what's important. Whenever Andrea sees that guy, I don't want her thinking... He's that guy. Because I may never have another follow-up with her to say he's changed. So, um, and sorry, the question is, you know, do you have to explain everything to your wife? You and your spouse have got to figure that out. But for Andrea and I, let me tell you, God bless Andrea. Ladies, you tell her everything. Thank God she doesn't tell me all that's in your mind. <laughs> I couldn't, I'm, I'm struggling with one. I can't imagine handling the rest of yours. So I'm thankful that we've come to a place where we realize now there are, we don't have secrets with each, from each other. It's not like I don't tell Andrea things that I'm struggling with or I'm frustrated with. So we, we don't have secrets from one another. But I don't, and, and for a newlywed, um, it is a good way for you guys to get to know each other by talking about everything. So that's important. It is a good way to do, there is a good way to do that. But there are some things 
that really should be between you and the person that told you and you and the Lord. You want to add to that? And you can disagree with me if you want. No. If you do, I'll be really sad, but it's okay. I agree. I think it's important. I think using wisdom um, in, in our conversation, I think the key is you don't keep secrets. You're one. But there's a reality that some things are beneficial, and it's like apples of gold in settings of silver is what Proverbs says our words are to be like. And so my prayer is, well, Lord, when's the right time to say that thing? And sometimes if he doesn't show me and I wait and pray, there's just not a time for that thing. But like he said, I think you just have to pray and really be led by the Spirit and to know the heart of it. Not that you're keeping things, but that what's beneficial and... Um, all right. How, what we only have four minutes, and I wanted to call up Ray and Tori. Um, Should go to the bottom of the pile. So, what wise counsel could you give to a believer that's in a trial in their walk? James chapter one. Pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Trials are a reminder for us to ask God for wisdom. He's trying to get our attention. Mm-hmm. Pray for wisdom and choose not to compromise. That's a choice, especially in trial. Let me. Give you, you're on a diet. Okay, no ice cream for a month. You're on a diet. You have a bad day. Where do you, what do you want? Why? It makes you feel better. That's flesh. That's flesh. When you're in a trial, we think we deserve to give in. It's in a trial that you have to purpose not to compromise. Okay? What's your greatest concern for CCSB? Me. As a body, and what role are we to have in reducing this concern? Pray for me. (laughs) Uh, What's your greatest concern? That we would not be the church of love, because the Lord's word to the church in Revelation was that you have lost your first love. So not that I see this about our church, but I just think any prayer for any church would be, Lord, let us be the church of love. Yeah. Um, What's my greatest concern for CCSB is that we're a social club. That's my greatest concern. The last thing I want is a social club. I do not want us coming to church just so that we can be around other people that think like us. We come to church to get filled up with gas to go out into our world to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church has lost that. We've lost that. So that's my greatest concern. does past adultery disqualify you from the ministry? How do you overcome it? Um, I really want to encourage you to get some counsel, but past adultery does not disqualify you from future ministry as long as there's been a road of redemption that you've walked down. Um, just ask Peter about that. Literally, he adulterated his relationship with the Lord. He chose to deny him. Um, how do you overcome it? You get counsel. You seek the Lord. You get into accountability. Um, how do you know when it's a calling? Second guess. Second guessing my wants to God's calling. Um, I find, and this is a great question. How do I know God's calling? Um, there are two questions that the Apostle Paul asked the Lord when he met him on the road to Damascus. The first was this: Who are you, Lord? So first is my relationship with God. Who are you, Lord? Then he says, what do you want me to do? Don't worry about your calling. Worry about the relationship first. The calling will be easily recognized when the relationship is right. Amen. Tori, you guys come on up. And Andre, we're going to come on this side.
All right, this is Tori and Ray. Give it up for them. We're going to have to share this because my mic's not working. So I'll ask you a question, then I'll give it over to you guys. Um, okay, you guys are in premarital counseling. What was each one of you? Why don't you give me, um, as premarital couple, why don't you guys give me the uh, one thing that you gained from Song of Solomon? I gained the insight in the little pieces of wisdom that you given throughout each verse throughout the uh, little foxholes that you were speaking about, as well as maybe even the insight where um, the woman where she was mad or she was upset that she had taken the bath and that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, you know, you'd never really think about that, but it just gave you the insight to look at that from her perspective. Maybe she was a little frustrated and maybe Solomon was also frustrated. Mm -hmm. So it, it just gave us little pieces of wisdom to go off of and just learn from. Okay, Tori, what about you? Um, I think it's more of being one and knowing how it's not just me anymore. It's me and my future husband and pursuing not just each other, but the Lord. So one of the things the Lord tells us to do is get back to our first love, right? In Ephesians, Andre brought that up. What would you tell couples if you were to give marital advice? What's the one marital advice that you would give couples? Now, you've not been married. You are premarital. And people are probably wondering, why in the world would you have this young couple tell me how to do my 30 years of marriage? Because Jesus tells us to get back to our first love. So, Ray, what would you say? If you had to give marital advice, the one thing that you would want to see in your marriage and every marriage, what would you say to, to us? I would say what you already spoke of earlier Get your fullness from Jesus. Just find him, seek him, be full in him first before you seek marriage and before you find that other person to add to yourself, not to fulfill you or treat you uh, or be your priority first and foremost before Jesus. Tori, what about you? Um, I would say to not just seek God on your own, but to seek God together. Because I feel like doing that together has brought us closer and it has brought my relationship with God even stronger doing it together. That's great. Um, I love that, uh, that you guys seek God together. Um, I just think that is such a unifying thing when you do study together, when you pray together. It's, it really is a unification thing that, that happens. All right, one last question for you guys. and I know we're a little bit over. Um, but, Ray, um, you are just coming to the Lord. Tori has been in the Lord for a period of time. Um, what are some of the challenges that you have faced coming into that relationship where Tori has been walking with the Lord? And because what I've seen in you is you're doing everything you can to start running faster than Tori. So what's been happening inside of you to get you there? Um, well, for me, I feel almost as if I kind of have to make it up to the Lord for all the years I missed out with them. So I'm kind of running at full speed as much as I can until a flat tire, then I'll fix that tire and I'll go again until I just can't. And it's just, uh, I just feel full with him and it's just a whole different experience being with relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Tori, what about you? So you went into, sorry. 
you went into the relationship knowing that he wasn't as strong in the Lord, but he loved the Lord. Like you saw that in him. Um, what's that been for you to have more knowledge? Maybe you know, like you know where First Peter is. Like I mean, how has that been for you? Because you've been so encouraging. Mm-hmm. Well, to be honest, I feel like he has. When he reads the Bible, he gets it automatically. Where for me, it's a lot harder for me to understand when I read scripture. So I feel like he has also been a gift to me from the Lord by helping me become stronger and have more knowledge. And I'm very grateful that he is obviously the spiritual leader, even though he's only been a Christian for almost three years now. Almost. But um, I've loved seeing him be that spiritual leader. And then he also helps me. So that makes us just connect a lot more. Amen. Encouraging, huh? Let's give it up for this couple. Great job, guys. Great job. Hey, I want to, um, and you guys stay here, I just answered this one more question and I'll let you guys go. What's the best way to find a routine with prayer devotional with your spouse when you're busy with work and young kids? So Andre and I, last year, we read the Bible, the Bible together. So we did a chronological Bible and we read it together so that we could be on the same chapter. But around January 15th, when we started. Yeah. This year? Or, no, yeah, last year. Last year, yeah. yeah. Around January 15th, when we started. She, and she was the one who had the idea. <laughs> so around January 15th, I'm like on it. And she's like, oh, I'm like 18 chapters behind. <laughs> what do you mean you're like eight? Like you're the one that told me to do this. So we got to do it. You said you want to do it. So we got to do it in black and white. Well, I mean, some days I get it. Some days I don't. Like the color, right? So... <laughs> um, so what it was when we decided to do this, and then we kind of engaged and said, okay, we're going to purpose. Around January 15th, we realized that we're kind of, kind of falling short. So we're going to purpose to do this. And what we did was we purposed to do it through the whole year, which created spiritual conversation for us. So the only thing I would say is just make a plan. Whatever plan fits, make a plan that fits so that you can have conversation. Make a plan that fits for you. I can't give you your plan, but make a plan. Make a plan that fits. Amen? Now, listen, we didn't get to every question, and there's some real winners here, um, but it is 8.05. So I can go maybe another 10 minutes, but I don't want to keep you guys because we've always promised to be out by 8. So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to continue. I'm going to go ahead and... uh, answer some of these questions, and we'll place them online so that you guys can pick it up from there, okay? All right. God bless you. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for time and chance to be together. Thank you for fresh and new love, and thank you for 30, 40, 50-year-old love that's in this room. So I'm asking now that you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.